Welcome to Women in Venture Capital, a podcast by students for students. I'm Roshvina. And I'm Anvita. And we are from the Harvard Business School. Our guest today is Angela Weniger. Angela is a managing partner at the Boston chapter of Dome Room Fund, a national student-run venture fund backed by First Round. She spent this past summer working as an investor at Summit Partners and in operations at Productive. She's currently pursuing an MBA MPP at Harvard. Prior to Harvard, Angela had years of experience in marketing at Freshly Picked and consulting at Bain & Company. It's really nice to have you on our show today, Angela. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. So um, jumping a little bit into um, your career, you've explored quite a number of industries from consulting to operations to investing. Can you talk about that journey and your decision to pursue venture capital? How is the recruiting process like? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I have definitely jumped around a bit. Um, I think a big part of it has been the desire to just continuously learn. I've kind of always loved that really steep learning curve when you start at a new job. Um, so I actually did five internships in undergrad because I was just so so curious about all these different aspects of business and the business world that you could work in. Um, so I would say all the moves felt really natural at the time. I went into consulting to build a skill set coming out of undergrad um, and then went to a startup after that and could talk about the reasons for that. But essentially, it was uh, it, it was something that I was really excited about because uh, at the time, Freshly Picked, the startup had the largest social media following of any baby brand. And I was very excited about how emerging technologies were impacting consumers. And the opportunity to go and run a team also felt like a learning experience that I wasn't going to get anywhere else. Um, Bain, especially, I feel like Bain is this incredible uh, learning platform and they'll really kind of like let you in, you know, if, if you're taking the pool analogy, they'll wade you in step by step and, and you won't go to the next step before you're ready. And um, jumping to the startup definitely felt like getting thrown in the deep end and, and that probably definitely floundered at times. Uh, but it was, you know, for me, I felt like I was, I was really ready to move things a little bit faster. Um, and, and then grad school was a natural next step after that, because we had sold the business, um, which is a big part of what drove me to investing was taking freshly picked through that sale process. Uh, and, you know, really sitting on the other side of the table from investors, uh, and just being so interested in what they were doing. Uh, and seeing what their jobs looked like day to day. Um, I also knew from operating that I didn't necessarily want to be in growth and, and keep branding myself as this marketing expert. Um, you know, I, I think I could have had a, a career in marketing and growth for consumer brands. And I think it's a really valuable skill set to have. Um, but as I just thought about the world and thought about my career, um, I know that I'm really passionate about understanding things at a very macro level. And what I was doing in consumer marketing felt pretty mi micro at the time. Um, and that's also a big part of kind of what drove the, the joint degree with HKS. Um, so I think your second question was around what the recruiting process for VC is like. Uh, and, and it's definitely a process. Um, I'll say from my experience in talking to people in the industry and, and from my own two experiences recruiting at Norwest and Summit, um, every process is different and they're rarely replicable. Um, but generally what they all have in common is you're going through and you're building a relationship with whatever firm you want to work at. Usually these teams are very, very small. 
and they want to make sure that culturally it's going to be a good fit. And so um, you're just going through and, and building that relationship. And that ha can happen in many different ways, whether you're an operator, whether you're a student, whether you're a fellow investor. Um, but that's what I would say the commonality is. That's really helpful, Angela. And um, I think you put well when you mentioned your switch from consulting, which was still broad and macro, to an operator role, which is uh, going in deep and then figuring out that you still like macro and, and kind of want to be in the venture ecosystem. I kind of personally relate to it as well and completely agree with when you say that uh, there is actual action when you're building something. And, you know, as, as investors or even as consultants, it's a lot of macro view that we um, end up working more on. Um, so it's excellent to hear about your transition into investing. And one key part of what we know you're now engaged in has been the Dorm Room Fund. Um, and it's one of the notable programs here, you know, at the MBA run programs. And we're just curious if you can talk a little bit about the fund and your work with the founders. Um, how did you go about interacting with the founders and making the funding decisions? Yeah, I mean, uh, I could talk about Dorm Room Fund for this entire podcast, um, so I'll try and keep it short. But uh, I would say the the headline I'll give about it is I would say it's by far the most valuable experience that I've had uh, as an MBA in terms of, you know, all the extracurriculars and, and things you can do to spend your time. Um, so at a high level, Dorm Room Fund is a group of student investors. Uh, we're backed by first round uh, and we have the opportunity to go and invest in other student founders. Um, so I would say the thing that really differentiates dorm room fund from other on-campus investing opportunities is that at dorm room fund, the students really are the investors. Um, so the process is, you know, you'll go out and you'll build a relationship with a founder like you would as a VC. Uh, you know, you'll meet with them a couple of times. You might do your own diligence. You'll bring them into pitch to the full team and the full partnership will vote on them. So we run an investment committee process. Uh, you know, it's a voting process very similar to how actual VCs would, would make the decision. Um, it's just very, very early stage. Uh, usually we like to be the first check-in if we can be. Um, and so it, it really is, I would say, this opportunity to start building the investor skill set uh, and honestly your personal portfolio while you're in school. Um, so I've now personally invested in five or six companies through Dorm Room Fund, uh, and I, I have absolutely loved it. I think uh, it's, it's definitely something that will show you the pros and cons of investing throughout the whole thing, you know, and, and help you understand, uh, do I like being an investor? Do I like going out and building relationships with founders? Can I tell founders no when we decide not to invest? Um, you know, can I handle those kind of negative conversations? And then being able to be along for the journey and along for the ride as, as they're building their companies um, is, is just so fulfilling and amazing. And um, we've actually invested in a couple of my friends' companies and it's been such a, a good opportunity for me to really be involved and be in the nitty gritty of them building their businesses uh, and help them through that journey. So it's been really fulfilling in many ways. As someone who's uh, who's been interested in venture capital, uh, the Dorm Room Fund was one of the early programs that I had heard about even before coming to HBS. So definitely um, an organization that has really established itself uh, in the U.S. Um, when it comes to MBA students and founders and investors. Um, do you see a lot of gender representation at the fund? And did you see it when you recruited at Summit and Norwest prior? What are your thoughts on the best ways to integrate diversity in the venture industry? 
Yeah, so I'm really proud to say that at least the Boston team, uh, where I'm one of the managing partners, is 50-50 male-female. So we're very proud of that. I think Dorm Room Fund nationally is pretty similar. It might not be quite at gender parity, but it's very close. Um, I will say this is something we think a ton about, and and we think a lot about uh, just DEI in general. So that's something that uh, I'll say at least my goal in recruiting is to have the team look like the country in terms of gender, race, sexuality, socioeconomic background, and you know every other DEI metric you can think of. Um, and and I think this is something that's actually really important. Arguably, I, I wouldn't say more important at dormant funds, but I think we take it very very seriously at dormant funds because we see ourselves as a pipeline into working in the industry. And so. You know, if at the top of the funnel, you're not representative of what the country looks like uh, on every metric, I don't think you're going to have a great time getting through that funnel. Um, so I, I would hope we get to the point where we are at least at parity uh, with what the country looks like. Um, to your question of Norwest and Summit, I would say they're definitely working on it. Uh, I think they could be better. Um, my team at Norwest actually, I think was pretty close to 50-50. Male female split. Um, I think you see that a little bit more in consumer investing. I was on the early stage consumer team uh, than you do in more traditional B2B SaaS. Um, I would say I'm very encouraged by how much the industry is really starting to think about this, but there's definitely still a long way to go. That's really encouraging to hear, Angela. Um, being someone who's almost at the center of innovation, be it via the Dom Room Fund or with um, your time at Norwest and Summit. Um, just curious to know what are some of the exciting innovations that you see coming up in the few years? Yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, man, I wish we had much longer on this podcast. Um, I, I would say I'm very interested, especially given the joint degree that I'm doing uh, in highly regulated industries. Um, I just see a lot of opportunity there with the barriers to entry associated with the space, uh, with a lot of regulations changing. So one thing that I'm very excited about, uh, at least in the last few months, is telehealth. Um, we just saw a bunch of regulation in the U.S. change based on the CARES Act. Um, and a couple of the investments I've made through dormant funds have been uh, telehealth femtech companies. And so I'm, I'm very excited about this specifically. I think there's a lot of positive tailwinds for at least two of my portfolio companies. Um, I think fintech is another another thing that falls into this category. Uh, you know, embedded fintech is is very very hot right now. But if you look at what China is doing uh, in payments and just interactions, I think um, it's a much easier process. And I don't know why we're not. Yeah, you know, I I do know why we're not living in this world. But I wish we were living in a world where we didn't have to carry credit cards around and we could pay for everything on our phone. Uh, and we don't because there's a lot of regulation in place for for consumer protection purposes. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how, how that continues to change over the years. Um, and then a deal and a space I continue to be really passionate about is uh, while I was at Norwest, I worked on uh, the Memphis Meats deal that they did, which is cell-based meat. Um, I wrote an article about this for, for dormer funds not too long ago, but I really think the future of meat for many reasons is cell-based. Um, I don't think it makes sense that 13% of the world's carbon emissions come from cattle farming uh, and you know it's just less healthy than cell-based meats and so if you can grow the same thing in a lab for cheaper it's better for the environment it's better for people's health um, 
I, I think we're going to get to a world where it might seem gross and it might seem a little bit weird that it was like grown in a lab. Uh, but I think economically, ec economically it's going to make sense. Um, and, and it's just going to make sense for the world. So that's a space I'm, I continue to watch and be excited about. Um, that's definitely a space I personally haven't heard a lot about. So I'm definitely going to go back and read your article about it. Um, what advice do you have um, for women looking to break into the venture industry, um, but also as female founders? Yeah, um, I would say two things, really. Uh, I think the first one is, and this just goes for anyone breaking into venture, but uh, especially for women, because it might not come as naturally, is just really being persistent. And, you know, I think we hear a lot about hustle in the industry. Um, it it didn't come naturally to me at first to if someone ignored an email from me that it's like, okay, I need to follow up four days later and just, you know, politely be persistent. Um, and I think that was a muscle I definitely had to develop. So that ability to really, really push uh, to build these relationships, um, I, th I think is really key to getting into the industry, even though it's uncomfortable at first. Um, and then the second is just, you know, being interested in different things, being passionate about different things. Um, I think there's a lot of merits to coming into the space as like, you know, the crypto person as the fintech person and really branding yourself as, Hey, I'm really passionate about this vertical and I can add a lot of value to your team in that way. Um, so I know those two things probably sound generic of like, Oh, hustle and be persistent and then, you know, be interesting and have passions. Um, but they also directly tie to parts of the job, right? Like, if you're, if you can be persistent in going out and getting the job, then you're going to be persistent in sourcing and in getting, in building relationship with founders who might be being annoyed by many VCs, uh, but they're going to want to build a relationship with you because, you know, you can add value in certain ways. Um, and, and the same thing goes with, you know, being interested in different spaces and being able to dig deeply into them, that intellectual curiosity ties directly to the diligence part and picking the right companies, making sure you're not just picking something because it sounds exciting, but because you've really dug into the space, you've looked at every company in the space and you know that this is the best company uh, that's best positioned to, to move forward in that space. Um, and, then, and then finally, I guess I, I would just say, I think this is something I see with MBAs in particular a lot, but just be really honest with yourself about what stage you're interested in and why you wanna get into the industry. Um, I think VC can really be like the shiny new thing. And, and so understanding which parts of the job give you energy uh, and picking a stage and, and, you know, maybe if your fund has a focus um, based on those things. Um, and I, I think that also applies to female founders looking to raise, right? Be honest and really intentional about what you're looking for in a VC partner, in someone that you want on your board. Um, so, you know, I think there's a there's a host of research out there. Uh, I think a lot of it's done by Harvard on how men and women founders are asked different questions throughout the investing process. And so, you know, if you I think if you Google HBR, uh, male and female founders get asked different questions, it'll come up. But essentially, female founders are asked about the downside risk more uh, and male founders are asked about the upside growth potential of their businesses more. And so for female founders, if you are having a conversation with a VC and you hear them, you know, male or female VC, and they're really asking, focusing on all the risks and not the potential that your co company can become, 
it might be a signal that, you know, if you're in the position to, maybe that's not the best partner for you. Maybe you should see someone who sees the same vision that you see. Um, but just being aware of the research and the barriers that are out there for female founders, I think will really change a lot of the conversations that they have and uh, help them throughout those conversations of being able to flag like, hey, I noticed this, it might be a bias against me, I should maybe go with a different partner. That's some really good insights. And I'm sure our listeners would really appreciate um, all your advice on this. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and talk about your experience, your views and the dorm room fund. I'm personally really excited to see what the dorm room fund is up to in the next year, um, especially as a first year HBS student. Um, and thank you for your time. Thank you both. I'm happy to be here and uh, really love what you guys are doing with this podcast. I think it's a great thing for uh, women at HBS and women trying to break into the industry. So thank you. Mm -hmm.